0: Wind swept down from the Acropolis, driving dust along the narrow lanes past sleeping houses, slipping through bolted doors into the master's bedchamber. On this dismal night, even the house of Agathon offered no barrier against the winged god of death. Hestia drew her shawl close around her shoulders, gazed across the chamber. The oil lamp sputtered, casting shadows on the ceiling, and darkness crept across the old man's face. Come closer, he called out, Clutching at the bed covers, struggling to lift his head, a rasping cough strangled his voice. He stared at her, as if witnessing an apparition. Rest, she said. I have wronged you. Never. Hestia dipped a cloth into a bowl of water, infused with thyme, to stem the fever and mopped her master's brow. Since the onset of this illness, the furrows in Agathon's forehead had grown more pronounced, and lines wrought by years of laughter sagged into a frown. The battle-worn face she loved so well, craggy as the hills of Athens, seemed possessed by a secret grief. He regarded her with stark intensity. If I should die this night, don't speak of death. Groaning, he rolled onto his side. Do you hear them howling? who? The hounds of Hades. I hear the splash of Karen's oars. The icy waters of the Styx lap at my feet. Despite the late hour, despite the impending rain, Hestia considered sending for the physician. The remedy Dr. Barris had prescribed didn't seem to be working. She moved quickly to the doorway, waking the injury she'd received as an infant. Pain shot through her ankle. Where are you going? To get the Despoina. Don't wake my wife. Milena needs her beauty sleep. Agathon struggled to sit, his breath shallow and rapid. In truth, Hestia felt relief. The prospect of waking the Despoina held all the charm of opening Pandora's box, except no hope lay hidden at the bottom. Only wrath. Yet, the feverish glitter of Agathon's eyes made her uneasy. She walked back to the bed and touched his forehead, Heat rushed through her fingers, the pulse of life escaping him. You're burning up. If only I could sleep. Agathon closed his eyes, but he looked far from peaceful. Hestia wiped her eyes, wording off her tears. Milena claimed it was disrespectful for a slave to show emotion. Slaves, Milena said, were meant to blend into the furnishings, stay hidden in corners like a chamber pot. Despite her effort to stop them, Tears escaped her eyes. How could she prevent herself from crying for the one person in this world who had shown her kindness, the person who had saved her life? Agathon's eyelids fluttered open, and the soul she loved peered out. Get some sleep, he said. If I sleep, who will care for you? You're a good girl, Hestia, a bit strong-willed but intelligent. His words brought more tears. When the rains are over, attempting to compose herself, and as soon as you regain your strength, we'll visit the Acropolis, make an offering at the Pantheon. Pour me some wine. Perhaps you need another dose of the physician's medicine. No more. It tastes bitter. The Despoina opened an amphora of your favorite wine. I'll add some honey to the wine, and you won't notice the medicine. Don't treat me like a woman. Hestia knew better than to argue. Pain bit her ankle. It always did at this late hour. Favoring her left foot, she reached the sideboard. She poured wine from an earthen pitcher into a drinking cup, then added water and a dollop of honey. The last of the supplies she had gathered in the autumn. Soon it would be time to reopen the hives and discover if the bees had survived the winter. But now that Diodorus had returned from military service, the bees would be his chore. Hestia admired Agathon's son. Diodorus cared about important things, like the natural world, philosophy, and mathematics. She glanced at Agathon to make certain he wasn't watching before reaching for the vial of tincture. She dosed the wine liberally, limping toward the bed she offered him the cup.